Welcome to 9to5Mac Watch Time, a new podcast series exploring the world of Apple Watch and how it's changing people's lives. In this special episode, I'll be joined by two guests, both software developers, starting with Rahul Mata, the developer behind the run tracking app for iPhone, Tempo. Thanks for joining me, Rahul. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining me. You you make Tempo, which is uh, a fantastic app on the iPhone for tracking historical run data captured by the Apple Watch. And I came across your app by way of a, of a, of a listener recommendation from the 9to5Mac Happy Hour podcast when I was kind of on this journey of finding the best app for viewing data after the workout that, that I just didn't know about. And, and a few listeners were like, you have to check out Tempo. Uh, and, and I did, and, and with most recommendations from listeners, I'll be honest, um, I'll, I'll check them out, but it takes a lot to kind of sway me and, and make me think, this is an app I want to stick with, this is for me. Often I'll think, I can see why they recommended it, but it's not quite what I'm looking for. With Tempo, it is an app that I, I'm proud to have on my home screen, which, which requires kind of a good icon <laughs> anyway. So it's it's a good, you know, book cover. Um, but then the app itself is just really great. and. Um, not just for seeing historical run data, but also to kind of aspirationally want to run more and be a better runner. So, so thanks for making Tempo and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's, uh, that's, by the way, that's fantastic to hear and really, really gratifying that there are users who are recommending it and uh, Tempo actually won you over and uh, it's part of your uh, home screen now. And uh, the app icon is something that uh, was something I spent a lot of time on too, uh, thanks to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the Noun Project, which is where I usually rely uh, to go look for uh, the icons. And I'm a, uh, you know, I pay the membership, uh, the subscription there, and uh, yeah. it's been actually credited in the app too. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, on my home screen, it's health app, activity app, tempo on that row of like like fitness and, and health oriented apps. So it's right there and the icon is, is is it's an orange icon with sort of a um, running character in motion, and it and it's it's uh, it, it tells you what the app is, but it's also simple enough that it, that it fits in with Apple's icons. So I really like that. Um, tell me a bit about uh, well, we'll tell our listeners about what is Tempo and what it does. First off, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, Tempo is uh, obviously an iOS app for runners uh, who uh, primarily train with Apple Watch. It uh, uh, was uh, it is built with uh, privacy and quality as the core principles, and uh, what it comes down to is uh, it's an advanced training log for the data that uh, you capture as a runner with the workout app on an Apple Watch. And uh, mm-hmm. at a very high level, it's it's a uh, powerful and a beautiful visualizer of all the data that gets stored in the health app on the workout app, and. Um, the top features are like, you know, you have a dashboard with that shows your aggregate mileage, your intensity trends. Uh, you could actually view individual days and how each day you perform, like in terms of like uh, it, you have these uh, visual dots, which are colored and sized based on your pace and distance. And uh, then you have your trending averages across like, you know, years versus comparing it to the current year, how you're trending with that. Uh, and then you can actually get into individual runs where you could view your uh, uh, charts for like uh, pace, your cadence, your heart rate. You can view your maps. You can even tag the runs. 
uh, with your, you know, own notes and whatnot. And you could actually, uh, a lot of folks actually use tags for like tracking their shoe mileages. Uh, I've, I've, I've done, done that, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you have your average, uh, for pace and heart rate and cadence by splits. Uh, cadence was something that I recently released with the app. It's been very useful for me as a uh, training input. Um, helped me uh, get faster and better too, in ter- both in terms of form and uh, pace. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it, overall the app is uh, kind of unique in its own way because there are running apps out there in the store, but most of them are either focused on tracking or trying to be social. Tempo's uh, Value offering is it's an app focused on running and how to improve our running and our training and make make us better runners and, you know, at our own pace and study our data to get there. Yeah, kind of the way I view the activity app that Apple Apple provides is that's like your your big grouping of all your workouts from the Apple Watch. And, you know, there, there's some ways of getting around there where you can drill down to like, you know, past data based on the month and the activity type. Um, but it's also that that activity needs to store your achievements and your activity sharing and then coming in iOS 13 and watchOS 6 trends data, which is really useful. But it's not one app focused just on runners. And, and Tempo is that. And so they, they go like side by side for me, literally, because um, activity, high level tempo that's where i see just the run data and if if you don't have tempo yet it's free to download and try out so just pause the episode or, or listen while you're while you're going to the app store but search for tempo on the app store tempo for runners and uh and and try it out but what i love about it is it, it's it's one place for all my runs but if you're a walker or a jogger there's even a toggle for having um you know, runs below a certain pace or walks uh, above a certain pace where you could kind of have that data there too. So um, it, it's it's useful in, in all those ways. But it, to me, it's like the best way to see, you know, in the last month, how many runs have I done? What's the kind of average been? It's kind of hard to, to get that even from the trends feature. Um, but visually in tempo, it, it makes me feel better or more motivated based on what I'm seeing because it's just a really great visual um, even things like what color is the run on the calendar based on, you know, how the run was, tap into that and see all the data. Um, even things like the ability to um, long press or, or, or 3D touch on the icon and see the widget or have the widget just be in the, the today view of, of iOS to have that show runs today, runs this week and runs this month in terms of mileage. Like that is really motivational for me to see that it's one of those things where i have to have it now as a runner and it's not part of the built-in apple watch experience but it does kind of escalate if you're using your watch for running what the apple watch can do so i love that about it yeah and uh, i i think that that was uh it was primarily i I, I'm, i'm glad to hear that because uh that was an emotion and a motivation factor that uh, I wanted to somehow uh, put in the app because I'm a runner myself. And uh, when I was building the app, it was essentially for me, you know, my training log is something that motivates me, right? I mean, if you're improving Mm -hmm. or you're progressing on a certain trajectory, when you look at that, it kind of just makes you get out there every day and go for a run. And as I'm preparing for a race or a marathon, um, usually the weekend that the race is on, 
I go and look at my log and I just scroll through different runs and my notes and whatnot. And that's what makes me ready mentally for the race. So um, somehow I wanted to like put that together in the app design itself. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that it actually comes across that way besides just not for me, but for everybody else too. Yeah. And you can tell that the app, like you say, it, it, you are a runner yourself. It's made by a runner. It's made for runners. That, that comes across totally clear. It isn't like, um, you know, a, a shoe company wants to make an app for runners and they contract somebody out or something and they're just general developers and they think, well, what do runners want? They're not really sure. But you can tell that, that you as one person, you are a runner and you're making the app that you want. And because you're a runner, that happens to be what other people want too. And it comes across that way. And, and right in the app, inside of Tempo, there's a, a an area in the section uh, for settings that, that links out to your blog, uh, I believe ND.sh, correct? Yeah, and, 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 mm-hmm. Indy.sh. Yeah, and that that tells the story of of tempo, but on podcast form. Um, sort of talk about the origin of, of of your experience with, I suppose, wanting this app to exist, and then when you began to develop it, and uh, and just the origin of tempo so far. Yeah, sure. Uh, so tempo actually started. Uh, I think within a few weeks, May uh, 2015, uh, which was right after Apple launched the Apple Watch. Uh, and I, I mean, I bought it on the launch day. I had the watch on, the, on day one. And it became my primary running device right from the get-go. Um, the challenge, though, with the watch was it, it was a great running device. It didn't have the GPS, but, which I was not too sure about. But at the same time, it worked out perfectly. First few runs, I was wearing my Garmin as well as my Apple Watch, and it turned out Apple Watch just worked. So I just ditched my Garmin, and since then, it's been sitting in a drawer. But um, here I was using Apple Watch, and the only way I could actually look at all the data, that uh, all my runs that I was collecting through my Apple Watch was by going into the health app. Uh, at that time, the activity app was fairly new. So it only had two tabs, the activity rings and the achievement, the, uh, the awards t- uh, tab. And mm-hmm. um, the only way I could actually look at my data was in the health app, which was not very runner oriented. Health app is like, you know, a big app for all sorts of data. And it was, uh, you know, first version of it. So uh, it was very database like at the time, right? Exactly. Um, so uh, as an engineer, app developer myself, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a look at like wh- how tricky it would be to like, you know, just write a, a quick one screen app to just show me a list of all my runs from using the HealthQuit a- API. And uh, next thing you know, is like I had this basic app. Um, by the way, the orange on that app was from the fact that I had the original Apple orange uh, sport band that I used to wear. Oh, cool. and was, yeah. It, it's, it's like a fun part of the story. I still have that band with me. Uh, I don't wear it anymore. It's kind of like old and fragile, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it came to be. But uh, I had this basic app, uh, the screen came together nicely. It started working out. Um, I built the details, for individual runs, and I started using the app primarily as my training log. I wasn't using anything else, just the watch. And I, I did my uh, first marathon ever since uh, 2010. Uh, so until 2010, I used to run a lot of marathons, but I'd kind of taken a pause. And 2015 was my first marathon after that with Apple right. Watch. And cool. Tempo was my only training log. Then. And this was like through 2015, I was just polishing the app, making it better and better. 
And all this time, I was really hoping that this side project will have a short lifespan and somebody mm -hmm. else would do this, something like this in a much better way or somebody like, you know, one of the bigger companies would make an app for, you know, that would access the health kit uh, part two and I, I just wouldn't have to maintain and keep working on Temple full time or like yeah. ongoing. So I never released it in 2015. Um, Part, you know, season two came along and by season two, I mean like the second part, usually my, I have a fall marathon and a spring marathon. Season two for me is like winter through spring for training. Yeah. And I continued my training then and Tempo was still my training log and there was nobody else who was actually doing the same kind of app. And it, it kind of hit me at that point that the kind of care that I'm taking in terms of wanting to put good design in, uh, really taking care of the data privacy aspect of it. And really like, you know, just wanting to build an app, which is for me as a runner, is something that probably other folks need to. I had shared the app maybe with one or two runners, uh, friend runners who actually use the app and they were enjoying it too. So I was like, you know what, I'll just put it out there and see how it works out. And my goal was just to see, A, does it really work out? Do people like it? And at the same time, it being a side project, I didn't want it like, you know, a flurry of users just yet. So I actually released it as a paid app up front. And the right. idea was if it is a paid app, I'll, I'll have one of the two problems, right? One is I'll have a lot of users and then I can work full time on it and I can support it. Um, or I won't have enough users. And then because it's a side project, I don't have to worry about supporting too many users when it's just a side project that I'm working on right. or uh, weekend. So I launched it uh, around May 2016 timeframe. And yeah, that, actually that was uh, just a few weeks before I had my spring marathon, which was in Traverse City, Michigan. And uh, uh, mm -hmm. funny enough, that was the week Apple also reached out to me to submit uh, some uh, uh, feature artwork for the App Store. And oh, cool. I was actually, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, gratifying and it was like really exciting but at the same time it was the week i was traveling and i had like cleared my calendar to not focus on work but <laughs> focus on my race right and I, here i was like with a laptop traveling trying to hack on you know a 13 inch lab macbook uh with photoshop on it like trying to make something happen and i actually was able to find an ex-coworker who's a designer and she helped me out with the uh, banner and I submitted it. it. It felt like I ran two marathons that weekend. But, yeah, uh, certainly. Yeah, long story short, they 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 kind of featured it. Um, they used a the banner actually for a future feature, which was okay. But at the same time, um, within the three months of uh, launching the app, uh, I had a good set of real runners who were good, you know, good set of users in terms of like gathering input and feedback from uh, for if they really enjoy the app, they like it and whatnot. And I, I had flurry of emails in terms of like, hey, why not this feature? Hey, why not that feature? Uh, and the two complaints I had, which were both based on the model, uh, was essentially around like, why is this only an Apple Watch app? Or I downloaded the app, I paid for it, and it only supports Apple Watch, I want my money back. Right. Um, yeah. The Apple Watch app part was something that I was like, I, I can't help you there just yet. I'm not there yet. I only want to support that. It, that's the limiting factor with being a one-man shop as a side project. 
but mm-hmm. uh you know for or even for major companies sometimes <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah uh, from a paid app perspective it kind of hit me that I know I've written this in the uh, app description that you need an Apple Watch, but obviously none of us actually read all the app, you know, the entire app description in the app yeah. store. So that was also the time when folks were transitioning from, um, a lot of apps were transitioning from like upfront paid to like a in-app purchase or a subscription model. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that would be a good way to just clarify things and just make the app free for download. And then you have some other, you know, paid model it would be built into the app. So if it doesn't work for a user, they're not upset and they don't have to go through the cycle of like actually uh, reaching out to Apple or, you know, how to get refund and whatnot. Um, so I decided I wanted to uh, build out a subscription model in the app with uh, premium features. But at the same time, I did not want to build the subscription model just yet uh, because the app felt very basic where it was as version one to Mm -hmm. have any kind of recurring subscription. Um, So what I ended up doing was I made the app free and I introduced a patronage model in the app, which was like an in-app purchase. And the promise with that model was when I launched Tempo version two. On uh, by then, I already had a roadmap of like what version two would look like with all the feedback and everything right, yeah. to do with the app. So when I launched version two, there would be premium features in it, which would be a subscription. But if you pay upfront right now, you unlock the patron. Uh, you know the patronage part. You will get two free years of uh, premium subscription features, and mm-hmm. that was also something that uh, took care of folks who had paid for the app download initially when Tempo launched. Um, so I did that around, uh, that was September 2016. And um, then I basically went to work with, you know, work on a 2.0 and uh, launched that in July 2017. It took a long time to actually uh, get it together, uh, it being a side project, but it was like a complete uh I, I think I wrote a lot of, it was essentially like a second job for me at that time because I was right, doing yeah. my day job and just working on it on the weekend and evening hours and whatnot. And and, um, you, and you still find time to run, huh? Yeah, that, that's the tricky part, right? I mean, what was interesting to me during that time with running was a lot of those features kind of developed as I was running because that was also the time when, you know, Series 2 came along for the watch. And uh, so we, we got more features from the watch itself. And um, as I was doing my runs, I could recollect like, oh, there was a time when I had this little feature in my spreadsheet log like 10 years ago. Or like, how, would, how am I performing right now in my run? I'm doing like this, you know, uh, interval training and how can this work with my log and what can I study in my log when I go back and look at this data? So a lot of these things just like kind of work out together um, and it kind of helps. So in a way I was like kind of brainstorming my version two feature set as I was running, um, right. which is the best part about working on Tempo for me. In many ways it's like, you know, I, I'm always training and working at the same time in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I launched 20, in 20, uh, July 2017 version 2, and um, it was received really well, too. A lot of folks loved it. I got uh, written up uh, 
in uh, on Mac Stories. Uh, it got featured by Apple. Uh, overall, the app was you know very well received. Um, unfortunately, that was mid 2017, and uh, I also had not planned for what would be after that in terms of like what I would do with Tempo going forward if it right. was well received. Um, yeah. So it was tricky because it was a moment of truth for me where I kind of realized that the app has had good traction and um, I have good set of users who actually want to pay for it. Um, but at the same time, I was just not ready to like, you know, uh, pull the trigger on like going full time on it. I considered mm-hmm. it for a bit, uh, but uh, there's a backstory before Temple where I had uh, worked on a startup for about a year trying to found a startup, a venture based startup, and kind of like really failed at it. So that was like late 2014, early 2015 timeframe. And uh, both my wife and I were still feeling a little like, you know, well, let's take it easy and not go crazy on it. And, you know, it was 2017, but we're still like not too sure about it. So um, the timing of it worked out to be like, okay, well, it's still a side project. Um, What also happened at the same time was uh, I was reached out, uh, uh, contacted by uh, an ex-coworker from like early days of my career, a good friend uh, from a company, and they wanted to... um, bootstrap a brand new mobile team at their startup uh, and uh, help them like build a new brand and new app. So I joined them as a full-time engineer. So I kind of like not only just uh, not went full-time on Tempo, but instead of being a freelance app developer where I could be very flexible with my time, I kind of went full-time, became a full-time engineer working on a kind of a brand new app. So that turned into like the entire 2018 essentially um, becoming a drain for Tempo because I focus all my energies and time on working, uh, you know, with my day job. And at the same time, I, I, what I felt was I had not, I, I had used up all my energy uh, for working on side projects, evening and weekends. I kind of had the pseudo burnout mode where I just didn't want to do anything else on the weekend and uh, evening hours besides just training and spending fam- uh, time with the family and whatnot. Yeah, re- understandable, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I don't think uh, 2018 was the best year for Tempo in general. Uh, I, I had maybe like a couple of releases. If that, uh, I, I think the biggest feature I released for in 2018 was um, the maps for your work uh, details. Uh, and it was it was kind of funny because it was, again, very well received. Folks loved it. People reached out and said, hey, we love this uh, feature and you know, thanks for releasing and updating the app and whatnot. And um, people were still reaching out and downloading and subscribing to the app. So 2019 came along and here we are. I mean, it, this is essentially like, uh, it's turned into like, you know, I think the this is the part where I realized, well, to make Tempo successful, um, I have to like go full time at it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's not going to be an app that would exist because it's slowly turning into like shelving it uh, the way it is going. And um, there were a lot of other signs that 
I can get into details with uh, if you want me to. But uh, essentially, it was like a moment of truth for me where I was like, you know what, I have to take this leap and uh, go at it full time because I love this app. I want it to exist. Um, I love the running, uh, you know, the running community. And I think the runners who are using the app really love the app too. So I, I should. Yeah, l- let's. Better. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, first thing I'll say is, is the maps feature. I didn't realize that was part of it, the, the 2.0 kind of era, but um, d- just the, you know, within tempo, drilling into the detailed map of your run. Um, that's something that, that, you know, after a run that I'm proud of, if I want to share it on like Instagram stories or something or tweet it out, um, I often, I, I usually use tempo to do that. And um, people will often say, what app is that? Because I'll share like, you know, the detail view and the map view uh, yeah. of the run and people want to know. And I'm always like, I'm happy to promote it. It's tempo, you know, go check it out. Um, but, but uh, it's, I didn't realize that was a feature that was only added, I guess, around last year. Um, because I found that just in my experience, it's, it's a great, you know, like hidden social feature. If, if you come around to sharing your run that way. Um, but also let's talk about your, your, your big announcement from the last few weeks, which is that you, you are going indie and, and, and full-time on Tempo, which to me is great news because I love the app. If the app never updated again, I am fulfilled by, you know, by it, and I'm happy to pay an annual subscription. Like with subscriptions, um, because it's an annual subscription, and, and what is the price of it in, in U.S. dollars? Like $10 a year? Yeah, to... it's $9.99 a year. Yeah, so it's not not you know it's less than a dollar a month to just help support it, um, and I, I love that about it. Uh, I turn off subscription renewing automatically, but then if I notice oh this subscription has lapsed because you know Apple will email you, then with with Tempo I'm quick to go and and flip it back on and and keep you know going forward with it because it continues to be useful for me. But let's talk about your move to going indie with Tempo and and kind of what you what led you there as you sort of hinted at. And what you see happening now that you are all in on tempo? Yeah, so uh, I think it, the it, it was a it wasn't just primarily tempo, but tempo was like a very obvious like you know key factor to the decision. Um, what what it came down to was um, every few years I get into this like soul searching mode in my life where I'm like you know am I doing what I want to do and keep doing, you know, like, what am I doing? Where am I at? Right. But both in terms of personal and professional life. And, um, this year was like, you know, it started off fine, normal. I was not really thinking about things, but then I, you know, came across a couple of different things. And I also read the book uh, called passion paradox. Uh, oddly enough, it, uh, the reason I came across it is it's actually, by uh, two of the uh, really good coaches, uh, like endurance elite coaches, I think uh, Steve Magnus and uh, Brad, I forget the last name of uh, for him, uh, Brad's last name, but um, they've done some other books like that, like uh, peak uh, training and things like that. So Passion Paradox is a great read if if you're into any kind of, it's it's a short read, but it's really good. And it's actually a book about just in general, like why and how you should uh, focus on your passions and not get burnt out and things like that. Um, at the same time, uh, I, and I can't remember if this was from the book or not, but I came across a question which kind of like really resonated with me. And that was, um, what do I want to be going forward? Am I working towards it or just hoping for it to happen? And I had a very quick realization that at that point, when that question came in front of me, I was like, 
I'm just waiting for things to happen and just flowing <laughs> through it. And I was like, this right. is not good. I, I really need to really need to emphasize on like, what do I want to be? And it became very clear to me that over the last so many years with, you know, everything from, you know, working at different companies in my, so I've been doing software development for over 20 years at this point. Right. So yeah. I've worked at startups. I've worked at big companies. I've tried to found a company, venture back company. I've tried to do app development. I've released some other apps on the side and, you know, pulled them out from the app store. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I've been like this, you know, uh, admirer of like companies like Panic or Basecamp or like, you know, folks like, um, you know, underscore David Smith or Marco and whatnot, just, just being independent, right? So it became very yeah. clear to me that this is something that I really want. I, I, I want to be an independent software developer. And if I, I don't know if I can succeed at it, but if I don't try it, it's always going to bother me. And, um, at the same time, I was like, well, what is it that, uh, that I would do if I was doing that? And I have a list of things that I can work on. And maybe I would based on like how Tempo kind of like goes over time. But at the same time, Tempo was a really like obvious candidate just sticking in front of me, which was like, A, I was upset. It was part of the thought process. Tempo has not been what I wanted it to be as my side project. I was expecting to work more on it. Uh, I do want to make it better. And, um, you know, I, I had this thought that I was chewing on, which was along the lines of like, am I at a point in my life where I can't work on side projects with everything else going on in life, you know, training for marathons and then having like kids at home and, you know, having a full-time gig. It's, it's, I, there's just so much that you can balance like working hours every day on a side project. So I was considering should Tempo be a full-time project for me for Tempo to be successful? And the timing of that worked out to be John Gruber showed up on the Dialogue podcast with the Mac Stories mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was talking about his story with Daring Fireball, where he said uh, something about, uh, you know, in, I think, 2003, four-time frame, where he actually had the same moment where he was like, you know, to, for Daring Fireball to be successful, he had to be full-time on it. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just took that as a sign because just a day or two, within a few days of it, I had written out like, you know, do I, do I need to consider this? So there were a lot of signs like that, that I was like, you know what, I just need to take a moment. Uh, this is, the app has decent traction in terms of users. Um, I know what I want to do going forward. I have the domain knowledge. I have the skills to make it move forward. Uh, I looked at the comp uh, competitive landscape for the app. Uh, most of the apps that are doing it are not doing it the way as a runner, uh, what I would like them to do. So I figured there is a market for it. And I think it can be a really, you know, much better than what it is today. I think it's already one of the best apps out there. But uh, and so here I am, I, I, I just decided to take the plunge and go indie. That's so cool. Um Going forward, so we, we talked a bit about how there's, there's so Tempo is, is an app on the iPhone that reads data from the Apple Watch, um, but there, there's not an Apple Watch yet uh, for Tempo. Um, and that's, that's a little bit tricky because you know, we, we were discussing this before we started recording. Um, sort of the best way to get the best workout data, running data from the Apple Watch and into Tempo is to use Apple's workout app. I've tried other apps mm -hmm. and 
um, their, their data can just be inconclusive. You know, they'll have some stats, but not all, or things like calories total and active will be the same, which makes no sense. Um, but you, you just don't get that with Apple's workout app. So, so tempo on the Apple watch, you, you probably wouldn't want it to be, um, where you go to start a workout. Maybe, maybe some people would, but I think the workout app is still the best thing there. Um, Apple can do things that others can't. Um, so then, so then what could the watch app be? And, one one thing there is with WatchOS six now you can uh, tap a workout after you finish even if you're away from your iPhone and then see the stats from that. Um, mm-hmm. But but without sharing like future plans, do you th- you know what what are listeners or, or, or users sort of asking for for the Watch app and and what could you envision that that being? Yeah, so uh, yeah. It- Watch app is definitely something on the roadmap. I, I, I do, like you said, I do want to draw the line around the fact that workout app is such a solid and reliable app that I don't want to like, you know, just get into the, in the middle of like our training data and saving that data, right? The reliability aspect of that is super, super, uh, you know, strict in terms of like, yeah. can't lose that data. Um so where does tempo fit in into that uh, puzzle? And I think there is value in, in terms of like complications, right? Complications is something that a lot of users have reached out to me. Like you, you were talking initially about the widgets uh, on the phone itself, but yeah. I think there are some things we could do like just on the watch face, right? Because the motivation factor, you know, just wearing the Apple watch for me all day long keeps me, keeps my mind tuned to like, I'm a fitness person like who focuses on my health and fitness. So I'm always like, you know, kind of like tuned in with that. So having something more as a runner, which is on the watch face, just tell me like, this is how many miles I'm running, how my pace was and whatnot. And even like looking at some of the data, which is displayed on the run details in the app itself, in the watch app, uh, I think that would be useful. Um, How deep you want to go in there? I don't know, because I think there are still limitations in terms of how far you can query the health kit on the watch versus on the phone. So yeah. you have to kind of like still bridge some of that stuff. So there's there's some more details. I think there might be aspects to like, you know, tagging, for example, might be a great uh, way oh, to true. use yeah. the watch app, right? I mean, you if you have a bunch of tags that you reuse all the time, you you can instantly tap and like start tagging your runs from the wa- watch app versus like having to open the app. App on yeah, I, I've I've liked the tag feature for like you mentioned before how some people are using using it on the on the iPhone app for tempo, it, you know, labeling what shoe you're in, and then you can kind of collect your mileage there. Um, even things like um, what race is this? If it's a race you run annually, seeing that race every year is it's a really cool thing to do. And Apple's activity app on both on the watch and the, and, and the phone needs to be the activity app for all supported workouts for. A whole range of users and with runners you you, you know you, you they're getting really good at making the workout app a great running app um i mean they're adding <laughs> things like pace alerts and you know that kind of thing like they're doing a great job of of, of, yeah. of, of adding things to the workout app um but but tempo still has a clear place in the market for the best way to read running data after the fact. And that's still true on the watch. Like, and, and the, I hadn't thought of that, but the 
quick tagging from the watch would be really useful too. Um, so I, I look forward to that. You know, I'm, I, I know you can't say when this thing will happen, but I, I know that also that going indie can only help you and going, going full-time on this project can only help you. So I'm, my support's totally behind you. Um, I encourage everyone to go and check out Tempo and, and subscribe um, because I've been a subscriber for I'm in my second year now and I'm totally happy with what it does and I can't wait to see what it, what it will do in the future. Um, that, that's really cool. Um, let's see. It, 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 with with Tempo, is there anything else you 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 want to share about the app or um, plans or um, you know some, something on your mind with Tempo that you want to uh, share before we, we wrap up? Uh, um, not a whole lot. I I do want to thank uh all the users who are listening as well as you, yourself in terms of like for your support and everything and uh, especially for your patience for with the app. Um. I, I want to say, give me a few months to get uh, back into the groove of like cranking out features more, uh, more and more faster. Because I think I'm just hitting that mode. And uh, oddly enough, I started doing that. Uh, the first month itself was like, you know, editing the tags and ability to manage tags that way was one of the desired features in the cadence splits and whatnot, uh, which had been asked forever, you know, through 2018, multiple times by users. So I thank everyone who was patiently waiting for it. And I'm, uh, you know, anyway, I apologize for like taking so long on it, but now that I'm uh, full time on it, it, it will happen much sooner. Uh, I can tell uh, that with iOS 13 dark mode is coming. It would be there yes. on day one, assuming awesome. Apple approves it, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's coming. And so I'm excited to uh, uh, share that. And uh, it, it's looking kind of really, uh, really nice uh, in dark mode too. So Exciting. So that's another thing is, is um, you, you don't necessarily get those day one, but key to the platform features, uh, even from shoe companies who make writing apps, who have watches with their branding on it. Um, but, you know, a, a, a yourself, you know, being one person, this is your app, you control it, you you, you prioritize when features arrive, uh, and you can make the features that you want, then dark mode can be there on day one. And that's awesome. So. I I I, uh, I thank you for being here. I, I I wish you luck. I hope everyone goes out and downloads Tempo. Try the free experience. If you like what it does for you, pay for the subscription and and support Rahul. And it's it's uh, a, a terrific app. So I thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story there. Thank you, and thanks for having me. If you want to hear more from Rahul, you can follow Rahul on Twitter at rmata. That's R M A T T A. And also follow Tempo on Twitter at TempoLog and search the App Store for Tempo to try it out. And you can also read Rahul's blog, Indie Computing Labs, at Indie.sh. That's easy enough. And look for the show notes. We'll have five giveaway promo codes for a premium subscription to Tempo to try out all the new features at no cost. So we'll have five promo codes in the show notes. Those will go pretty fast. But if you're listening, off to the races. Now for our next guest. My next guest on Watch Time this week is Will Bishop. He is a 17-year-old developer, I believe, from Adelaide, Australia. Is that right, Will? Yep, that's right. Cool. Tell our listeners on Watch Time a little bit about who you are, your background, what you do as it relates to the Apple Watch, uh, and all that. Sure. So... Uh, as you said, I'm an Apple Watch developer, and I hope some of the listeners are familiar with my app. So I make the apps Chirp for Twitter, which is by far my biggest one, which uh, then follows with Nano for Reddit and MiniWiki. So they're all 
kind of third party social media apps, you know, with the exception of MiniWiki, unless you count Wikipedia as a social media, but I wouldn't. And they let you access Twitter and Reddit on the go without your phone near you. Um, and I strive to make apps that are almost complete iOS apps, but just kind of crammed into the watch so that you don't ever feel real limited. Because I think we've all tried out watch apps before and they're okay, but you really want them to have a lot of more features. And that's where I kind of come in and say, well, no, Chirp, for example, has everything. you got your timeline trending messages search profiles like it's a complete app and so i focus on apple watch development i haven't made an ios app yet but i'm not ruling it out yeah that's just a little bit about um the kind of stuff i do cool yeah i mean i I think like a lot of people who may already be familiar with you will i i I came by way of chirp and Mm. i like i like your twitter app approach for the watch because like when, when watch apps were brand new you had some that i think apple helped sort of you know, pushed in the background, you know, companies like Twitter and Instagram would actually make watch apps and then uh, Facebook made a messenger app and that now and still is around, but Twitter and Instagram are gone. And Twitter's was like, this is your timeline and you can, you know, with your phone nearby, you can, you know, look at the Twitter experience on your watch. And I loved it because it was like a snapshot of Twitter right now, which is yeah. a big part of the service. It isn't just like, who messaged you or who DM'd you, but like, what's the the biggest or, or not the biggest, but like the latest thing happening in the world right now, if that's how your timeline is configured. And, um, you know, I, I love the third party apps like Tweetbot and Twitterific, but they were very oriented around your notifications and not showing you the timeline, which is part of, I think, a bigger picture of like, don't have the watch be it, it, a copy of the iPhone, let it be, you know, a separate experience. The iPhone can be the iPhone. But as as a you know major Apple Watch enthusiast, I've always been really happy with having features from the iPhone there on the watch, especially as it gains independence with cellular, you know, and more more you know things that you can do on its own. So um, I, I like your approach to that, and and you're one of a few developers who sort of populate the watch with with good apps right now. I mean, it's 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 not huge. Uh, I wouldn't say compared to, you know obviously compared to the iPhone, but yeah. Um, so you're in Adelaide. Um, I, I I see on Twitter that you're kind of like in this environment of of iOS developers, even though you're a watchOS developer and yeah. other watch app makers. So kind of describe like your relationship with with fellow developers. Like, do you know um, like Quentin Zervis behind Streaks? Like, do you guys see each other in person ever, or what, what's that like? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, the iOS community in Adelaide isn't isn't huge. I mean, Adelaide itself relative to other Australian cities, certainly isn't huge. But there is a small community of developers here, none that focus on the watch, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But, for example, uh, Quentin, he runs a local meetup called Coco Heads. So mm-hmm. um, Coco Heads is a worldwide thing for, for iOS developers to meet up with each other. There's ones in Sydney. They're all around Australia, all around the world. And Quentin has kind of elected to run Adelaide's Coco Heads. So once a month, we meet up, we talk about, you know, all your iOS stuff, sometimes talk about watch stuff, sometimes we talk about any new frameworks that may have come out, stuff like that. And so, yeah, I definitely see Quentin in person. If you're familiar with Pocket Cast, uh, mm-hmm. their developers are from Adelaide as well. Oh, cool. And there are some other big apps that don't go to this meetup, such as uh, Sweat by Kayla. is a It's a workout app. It's really big. 
not amongst, I guess, my demographic, but uh, their CEO and um, and Kayla herself, they're all from Adelaide. So I have oh, been fortunate neat. enough to meet a lot of the uh, local developers, and there are ongoing regular meetups, which is great because anytime I've had a problem I can't tackle, I usually just take it there and, <laughs> and speak to the more experienced developers. Right, and, and also I see on Twitter, you know, I follow you and other developers, and I see, you know, you guys just kind of throwing out a problem that you're running into and like, what is the best practice to get around this? So I, I love that sort of camaraderie and, yeah. and just seeing that concentration of talent in Adelaide alone is just neat. Like I, I, I don't have a great idea of what Australia is like or what New Zealand is like, but I know, um, you know, I follow Aaron Pierce's home kit at work and he's in New Zealand and it's like that part of the world. And I'm just thinking like, there are really great apps that There's major companies. Here, yeah. yeah. Like major companies are abandoning their version of their own clients, but then there are these really cool apps coming from that side of the world, which I think is really neat. Um, yeah. A couple more questions I, I have about uh, Australia. Uh, these are way off topic, but just, sure. just my own questions. Um, are you familiar with the sort of Australian pop artist, Amy Shark? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. In, in some regards, I'm familiar with okay. her. I've heard some of her music, but, Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm not, you know, a huge fan. Okay, not, that's not, all right. Not, not to say I don't like it. It's just not my yeah. music. But but you're yeah you're you're like aware. Okay. Um. What about um Vera Blue? Vera Blue. No, I don't yeah. think I've heard of that. Okay. So um the way I come <laughs> the way I come up with this is um I'm a uh, just growing up I was a big Blink One Eighty Two fan and then <laughs> Angels and Airwaves fan in the U S. And um, Tom DeLong, who is the you know, founder of Blink-22 and the frontman of Angels and Airwaves, um, just tweeted one day, just met Amy Shark and her husband. She's an up-and-coming talent. Uh, she's going to blow up one day. And so I started following like her EP then, and then her first album release, and then from just the Apple Music feature, like artists like this, I found Vera Blue. And I like a wide range of music, and, and just in, in um, that sort of recommendation, I I found something that's to me, it's partly special because it's from another part of the world. And so uh, it, it's like unique to the U.S. and sort of a hidden hidden secret. But I was just curious uh, geographically if that makes it a different equation for you. So that, that's neat that you at least do know about. Um, let's let's talk a bit about, uh, I mean, your age, like you're, you're 17 years old. You've been being covered since you were, what, like 16, even maybe even earlier. Uh, um, yeah, 16, I released my first app. Yeah, yeah. Going since then. What what is that like for you? Like like kind of being on on the world stage in this regard, you know, like like people from around the world would recognize you in yeah, this space at least. It's it's a bit strange, I think. Um, it's not something I would ever have expected. There's there's little to no fame associated with app developers at all. So to even right. cut into just a tiny little slice of that has has been quite surreal. Um, I think one of the biggest moments for me was going to WWDC this year. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually had people coming up to me and recognizing me in person and wanting to talk to me. And that was probably the strangest part. Uh, because yeah. it, was, it was really cool. I loved being recognized. And, uh, and every time I'd go home and I'd like message people and be like, guess what just happened today? Like, this was so cool. Uh, but it's, it's certainly odd to still be in high school where everyone kind of knows what I'm doing, but not with a lot of depth. So sure. 
I've had I had someone come up to me a couple of weeks ago and say, "Hey, I heard you went to Apple this year." And like, and then only a couple months before that, they came up and said, I heard you released an app. And so there yeah. are certainly people that are not, not up to date with it at all. And that's fine. It doesn't bother it, me. But even at a high level, it's just impressive to them that you're part of what, you know, the popularity of the iPhone, the Apple Watch. It's relatable to them, at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone at my school has an iPhone. Lots of people. Yeah. Have so. Right. And there, there are people at my school who use my apps. I remember there was there was a kid in a younger year who used one of my apps and he didn't even know that I was a developer and that I went to his school on that. And so that kind of felt strange to me that there were actually people in my life who were using my apps without knowing that I was associated with them at all. That, that's and when you know you're like you're on the right track at least. I know I'm doing something right then at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so 17, I, th- I think you're a, f- are you a few weeks away from graduating uh, high school? Yeah, about six or eight weeks or something. That's really cool. That's nice. Um, well, way to go on that. And <laughs> that makes me think, okay, you're 17 now. The watch is like, you know, entering like its fifth year as, as a thing. Um, what's your history like getting exposed to, I guess, the iPhone, but then also the Apple Watch like for you? Because you must have been around 13 or so. Well, my exposure to the first iPhone, I remember it clearly. It was an iPhone 4, and my parents had old Nokia, you know, sliding phones and that, and they came to the end of their life, and they came to an upgrade, and their mobile carrier said, all right, well, the iPhone's cool. So on the same day, my mum and dad got iPhones. That was really my first exposure to Apple devices, and I distinctly remember sitting in the back seat of the car, holding this phone, looking at the little blue dot move along in maps and yeah. being completely blown away. I was going like, oh my God, like we're actually going past the gym right now and I can see that on the map. That's crazy. <laughs> and ever since then, I've just loved them all. My first exposure to Apple Watch was actually my Apple Watch, I think. Okay, I cool. Mean, I'd, I'd seen them in stores, um, of course, but... I really, I'd never worn one, interacted with one outside of a store. And then I, one one year, thought, I want to make Reddit for the Apple Watch. Because right, I, yeah. I was like, I was getting an Apple Watch for Christmas. I, I'd known that already. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to probably want to go on Reddit on this thing in, in school assemblies and in boring classes and that. And so I looked around, and I couldn't find anything, and that's kind of how I fell into this rabbit hole of making Apple Watch-only apps. And I suppose it all kind of came from sitting in the backseat looking at a little blue dot on a GPS. That's super cool. I mean, everyone's timeline is different for when products are released and when they get exposure to them. What, what was the first watch model? What was the one that you owned? What, you know, what generation or series that was? So I've got the Series 3. Okay. Um, and... I skipped the Series 4 because I was still happy with my Series 3, but now I'm starting to look at potentially upgrading, seeing um, yeah. seeing what's around. But yeah, my Series cool. 3 has done me pretty well. So that's your first Apple Watch, is Series 3? Yeah, first one was that's, Series that's, 3. That's really cool. I mean, and to be like, I think one of the foremost Apple Watch developers, uh, I mean, <laughs> I could argue that you, that you deserve a new one every single year. Um, but, but, <laughs> but give it, send me one. yeah, I know. And I mean, so for reviewing watches, I've, I've, um, I was really enthusiastic about the first Apple watch when it, when it was rumored and, and then came out. Um, and it took me like a month to get my head around what it was and what to write about it. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I wrote, but you know, it's changed over time. 
Um, but I had the first one, not on day one, but as soon as that model shipped out because that inventory was wild at the launch. Um, but then I had the Series 2 on day one. I had the Series 3 a little bit ahead of the release date from Apple to review. And then I bought the Series 4 uh, when it was brand new in stores. So, um, I, I, and to me, like at 9to5Mac, um, I want to be able to review everyone, like every watch, even if it's even if it's not early, just to be in because like the history of the watch, I just want to be a part of right now. Um, but that's so interesting to know that it was the Series Three that was your first, uh, and, and so you've moved pretty fast from like now you have yeah. an Apple Watch, now you make apps for the watch. Mm, it was certainly a really quick timeline, and I think with the first Apple Watch, it felt a little rushed to me because mm-hmm. of just the way that the nature where apps really lived on your phone yeah and your apple watch as far as i understand it was kind of like a glorified video player mm-hmm. where your interactions were sent to your phone processed and sent back and so that was a really slow turnaround time and that's really why we saw so many apps just drop off the face of the earth when watch os 2 came out because now watch os 2 said all right well you can have a standalone app and you don't have to use your iPhone and I mean, you still need a connection of some sorts, but you know, they'll solve that later with the series uh, three, but now your old versions were incompatible. And mm-hmm. so all these companies like uh, Twitter and Instagram, who probably worked with Apple to develop this Apple watch app were now being told, well, you have to start again. Right. And so they probably looked at their analytics and went, ah, you know, not many people use the <laughs> app. We won't bother. And so I think that's really the source of why a lot of apps today are no longer there and why third-party developers such as myself have to kind of step in and and make them because the big companies aren't willing to because they kind of got, well, I don't know. It started off not very great. Yeah, they they got burned in the beginning, for sure. Yeah, they got burned in the beginning. (laughs) And so they just thought, well, we know we don't want to do that again. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where the platform is new, and so it can change every single year in some way. So you want to wait until it's it's mature, and then now you know what you can work with. Like, um, you know, the the Twitter app from Twitter, you know, way way before they needed to even be chirp, uh, was was like Tim Cook tweeted from like behind the stage at the event to say, just sent this first tweet from the Apple Watch. <laughs> hey, it's seen as Tim. Uh, and that was like part of the whole unveil and like news coverage and everything. And then that app goes away. And in the case was like, like you said, they were like glorified video players, sort of like CarPlay is from the iPhone on screens and cars where it processed on the phone and it went to display it out on the car. Um, so, and then when you didn't have the phone nearby, you got that like dreaded, red outline with a phone with a cross through it as like yep. there's no phone so this can't even launch um i like some of the early apps that were available that sort of did go away even as like you know indie developer apps like i would use feed wrangler by david smith i use that as my rss feed reader um for several years now since google reader went away and um you could literally like view your rss feed on the watch and that was you know before the series 4 display um, but that that went away probably because of analytics and just not great usage. And um, but I do think there is something to like how Chirp is, like how Nano is, um, and and WikiMini, where you sort of get a full experience. And you, you know, in the early days of watch apps, they were like, don't have this last, you know, the interaction lasts for longer than a few seconds. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> going against all the guidelines there, where they say you know, Apple Watch interactions are like 15 seconds. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, well, I want you to spend half of that waiting for your timeline to load, and then you can scroll <laughs> for the next couple of minutes and, and see all your, all your tweets. But yeah, I, I know I'm going against the grain and um, not really doing what Apple want from from or, or maybe not what they want, but maybe what they initially intended for the Apple Watch. Yeah. But even Apple are moving away now and making their watch more and more uh, independent. So with WatchOS 6, you get completely watch, uh, sorry, phone independent apps to run mm-hmm. on the watch. And yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to me a bit about your, your experience with, I, I see on Twitter, you know, you, like, like I said at the beginning, you know, um, your community is, is pretty open and, and helpful for each other. Um, but I believe you're trying to do Chirp and the new Swift UI or, yeah, yeah. how's that going? Trying, trying. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, get, it's getting better with every release, but there are still some glaring issues that until they are solved... I cannot release an app using SwiftUI. So one mm-hmm. of the biggest ones is on the Series 4, the one with the better haptics, Apple designed their new list or new table to snap onto the screen. So when you would yeah. scroll, you would get the weight with the object. You could feel mm-hmm. it snap onto the screen. And that is fine. The intentions are fine. But I don't know if something's gone wrong with their math or something's gone wrong somewhere, but some lists either snap in the wrong spot or they will not snap at all. Or the worst case, they will snap past an entire tweet and it'll be impossible to read it and you'll be scrolling down, going through your tweets, and then one will just fly past the screen really quickly. And if you scroll mm-hmm. up to try and see it, it'll just fly back again off the screen and right. you'll be able to read it. And so I filed a radar for that with. Um, with Apple, and they replied saying, we can't see your sample project, even though it definitely was attached, and now I've attached it again. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I filed that, I think, three weeks ago or something, and I'm still here waiting to hear from them. And then on top of that, uh, I can't even archive and compile Chirp right now to release a beta. So even with, you know, those aforementioned issues, I would have liked to get a beta out, but currently Xcode build will just hang and never complete which even if that is caused by something I've written, which I'm sure it is, it's <laughs> it's still a compiler bug to not Yeah. Me. And until they figure out a way to tell me or fix it, then there's nothing I can do. And I can't send them a sample project either because I don't know what's causing the issue. So right, yeah. It makes it really tough unless I just send them the entirety of Chirp's code base, which is quite large at this point and probably not <laughs> they want to configure on their end. So Right. I'm trying yeah. to use the new Swift UI. I'm loving it. It's opened up so many possibilities for the Apple Watch that I'm really passionate about. And I'm actually writing a presentation about that right now, which I hope to maybe complete one day, but who knows? <laughs> I, I'm optimistic about it, I think. Cool. What, what are some of the things? Yeah, what are some of the things that you think that Swift UI uh, and, 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 and writing Chirp in this way would, would give users, uh, or from you as a developer, from your perspective, makes it easier for you to develop? Sure. So currently, Swift UI, what I'm focusing on is the timeline. I haven't written any other part of the app yet using Swift UI. Well, at least not publicly, but I've got some, mm-hmm. some plans. And so the reason I chose the timeline was because it is the most intensive part of the app. It's tables with pictures and heaps of text and heaps of buttons all on your tiny little screen. And that's not very efficient. 
And so people get crashes on my apps all the time because they just <laughs> run out of memory. And the Apple Watch, unlike the iPhone, don't tell developers when they're about to run out of memory. So on iOS, you get like a did receive memory warning thing. And then you can be like, oh, crap, I should start you know, dumping stuff. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that on the watch. But SwiftUI kind of abstracts that even further. And now they've made a list or a table which is efficient and can actually scroll endlessly. So there are a couple things that SwiftUI bring for consumer-facing features that I think people really like. First one is images can look a little bit nicer because I can do image grids. So at the moment mm-hmm. on, on Chirp, you scroll through. If someone's attached two photos to their tweet, you'll see the first photo. If you then tap on the tweet and scroll down, there's a button that says, like, view all images, and then you can scroll through them like that. Right. It works okay. It works fine. But from the timeline, there's no way to tell if someone's attached a second tweet. Sorry, a, mm-hmm. a second photo. Right. So now what I've got is actually like an image grid. So whether you have one, two, three, or four photos, they will all fit in the same spot. They'll grid. It'll look really nice. You can tap on them to expand them. Stuff like that, that wouldn't have been possible with WatchKit, but is now possible with SwiftUI. And on top of that is endless scrolling. So being able to just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and never reach the bottom. That's something that SwiftUI doesn't really give out of the box, but they do have a on appear function thing. So I can tell every time a tweet gets scrolled onto your screen. Mm-hmm. And that way I can say, well, if this tweet just got scrolled onto your screen, how many tweets has the user got left? Let's say they have five tweets left to scroll. Well, then I'll actually load another 20 tweets and put that on the bottom. And I can repeat that process over and over and over again. And then you'll never, ever reach the bottom. And I've tweeted about that, and it's gotten a lot of good feedback. And it's been a feature that I've wanted for so, so long, having right. endless scrolling. I mean, Chirp has it in a very rudimentary form. You scroll to the bottom, you reach the bottom, you feel a little vibration, and then it loads some more. Mm-hmm. That works, but it's nowhere near as seamless as just scrolling forever. And so I think the consumers are going to be really happy with these new features. So long as those bugs that I mentioned get solved so I can actually confidently release it. Because even if the build system one gets fixed, I'm not going to release it while it doesn't work for the Series 4 very well. It works on all other devices fine, but the Series 4... <laughs> because, because of that new haptic feedback that we're the doing. Haptic feedback. And I love haptics. I have them in all my apps across, across all actions. But right now, they're really getting in the way. And there's no way <laughs> to disable list snapping either. I thought, surely there's a modifier I can say, like, list does snap. No, something like that. But no, there's nothing. Yeah, I remember when the Series 4 was brand new. Um, I'm not sure if it made it into my review, but I know that we were discussing at 95 Mac. There was some element of just the, the watchOS system that had that same behavior. Might have been Control Center or somewhere in Settings or Notification Center, uh, maybe Calendar, but there was something where it, it didn't seem to map to the way that you were rolling the crown and, and you had that kind of a jump, skip, skip apart, you know, a bug and surely they fixed whatever that was. I, I forget the top of my head, but surely they fixed that by now. But, but I guess a, a version of that crept into this, to this new direction. Yeah. For, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, um, how about this, this new direction with, with watch OS six and iOS 13, where now I guess a, a couple of questions from this. Now the, the watch app on the iPhone previously had its own app store for watch apps and that gets replaced with a button to go to the app store on the iphone app store so browsing is a little bit different there and then 
you also have an app store on the Apple Watch itself, the Watch OS 6. So you can discover apps, you can download apps on their own that way. Um, will this benefit your apps where they can be only on the Apple Watch and not have that companion iPhone app? Or is authorization an issue? Or you know, what, is, what are some changes that you see and how that will affect you? There's a couple of issues with it. I think Apple are so close, so, so close, <laughs> yeah. but so, so far from, yeah. a, from a true independent app. The problem with these new independent apps is I see two glaring issues with it. One, there's no third-party login. You can't log in with Twitter. You can't log in with Reddit, Google, Facebook, nothing. You can mm-hmm. log in with Apple or you can, I don't know, log into your own service if you use a keyboard, um, just like a username and, and a password. So already that makes Chirp and Nano impossible. Right. And then the one that makes MiniWiki impossible is there's no way to do in-app purchases. They, mm-hmm. They're just not there. And and I remember actually when it was announced, I went up to one of the AffWatch engineers and I said, like, hey, um, <laughs> where's in-app purchases? Because I tried to import StoreKit and it didn't work. Yeah. And they, they just said, yeah, yeah, we've... We've heard a lot of requests for this, so maybe next year. They said, "Right, maybe next year." <laughs> so I think if we did this interview again in one year's time, I might be able to tell yeah. you, um, tell you that watchOS yeah. independent or uh, watch dependent. Oh God, I can't even say it now. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yes, yes. Say that, they're, say that they're fantastic. Yeah, uh, but at the moment I can't. And as far as discoverability goes, I'm kind of worried about that one because right, there's no iPhone app anymore. There used to be. So it used to be you had your app store in the watch app on your phone, and then mm-hmm. it was a link to the app store on your phone. And now it's not that at all. Now it just tells you to open up the app, the Apple store, the app store on your watch. Right. And there's no link. So you open it and it's a dead end, which as far as user experience design goes, I'm not a fan of. It's a button. Mm-hmm. It's a static page. It doesn't do anything. And it seems kind of weird. So, from my analytics, I can see most of my downloads come from search. But it's a lot easier when you're already on your phone reading about something to search and download something. So, of course, you can download it now still through the app store as you usually could. But there becomes this disconnect between what's an iPhone app and what's a watch app. If each have their own stores, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's going to be immediately clear to consumers that they are still linked that the app store on your watch can install an app on your phone and the app store on your phone can install an app on your watch. It seems a little weird, but I'm no analyst. So I guess time will tell really (laughs) whether or not it, uh, it has an impact. I know they, they're trying to promote more watch apps than that, but as far as I know, I'm not getting any promotion around this time. So I, (laughs) I do not know what, what it'll bring. Yeah, it's, it's something. Um, it seems like a lot of the stuff coming this year, you know, if you, if you don't know much about it at a surface level, you're just like, whoa, the watch can almost be sold on its own because there's all these ways of in- independence now from the iPhone. Um, but obviously, when you when you dig in like one layer, it's like, ah, but here's a gotcha. It's all very foundational. Yeah, there's a lot of gotchas uh, which, which prohibit me from developing, which is a real shame. Right. And, and like you said, probably in a year's time, all the feedback from the foundation work uh, will come in and, you know, at, at WWDC next year, it'll be like, oh, they, you know, they either, hopefully they heard the feedback and here it is uh, and everyone will be relieved or they, or they didn't. And it's just kind of more head scratching. But um, I mean, it is a bit confusing with the app store on the Apple watch that you still have to go back to the iPhone and authorize 
you know, yeah. for an app like Chirp. So um, hopefully this gets sorted out. I mean, it would even be great if they make some changes like mid-cycle without the next major release <laughs> to, to clear that up. And, and I'm curious how people will respond to the app store on the watch because it's part of the grid or at least if you use the, the list view, which is alphabetized, the app store has to be at the top because it's an AA uh, app name. Um, sure. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that is search where you've got to know what you're searching for or it's collections of features. So you need to be featured in a collection to be discovered that way. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll see. Up. Yeah. And we've seen the app store on the iPhone be overhauled where it's like a daily update um, with, with different collections. But on the, you know, it wasn't, awesome before on the watch app because i mean you, you could also like set your watch up for the first time and never open the app again and put it in a folder and then never go to the app store tab um yeah so it, it's i guess it's never been perfect but and hopefully we're, we're getting to a better place there um, i think we're getting there yeah Slowly. but at, but at any rate i mean your age and perspective has been very useful for you so far because i remember being in high school um i didn't discover reddit until college <laughs> So it was, I was late to that, but I, I can see something that you, you know, regularly access from your computer or phone. You want that on your watch, you know, especially in school, you can, you, you know, it's wherever you go. Um, that gave you perspective of what to develop and that's been successful for people of all ages. Um, and, and you've got a business model, but you don't have to rely on that yet because you're still in high school. Um, I know you've got aspirations for, you know, taking your talent to Apple. I think that would be brilliant because you've got the background already and your future is going to be terrific. Um, in the short term, like, if, you know, if, if that doesn't happen immediately, uh, I, I'm a, as, as an Apple Watch user and enthusiast, I would just love to see someone like you do work for major companies who can't devote a single person to watch development, but you're you've got expertise in this area. So you could, yeah. you know, maybe make apps for like major companies that, that just need a, a watch client. That'd so. be fantastic. I'd love to do that as well. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that. Like maybe I can just kind of be a bit of a traveling salesman and just be like, oh, sure. Twitter. I've got an app for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just release chirp under your name. Yeah. Um, and and you, you could do things with like, if you're part, if you're uh, working for the company, then you had access to, you know, have access to their API without you know, any oh, funny business. God. If I imagine Twitter's API, yeah. the, the same API that they have access to, mm -hmm. whew, Chirp would be so much better. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So many more features, but yeah, no, nah, it can't happen. And there, there's wish. countless there's countless versions of that. Like I'm reviewing the Peloton treadmill and bike and then iPad digital app and they have no apple watch app but they do have audio runs that are based on the video classes but that would be it would make sense to have that on the watch as like an offline thing and they just don't have it yet because i'm sure yeah. they're not aware even aware of it as a thing so yeah uh, there's a million a examples like don't that see it as as a viable product but it really is there's a big market for this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. i didn't know that to be true until i released my apps and i yeah. yeah, posted them on Product Hunt and posted them on Reddit, and I saw just this outpouring of support of people saying, "Thank you, we needed this kind of thing." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm I'm really really happy, and really really fortunate about where, yep. I've, where I've come. Cool. Um, well, before we go, can you tell me a bit about like just not from the developer side, but just as an Apple Watch user as well? So obviously, you bought the watch not just to develop apps for it, I suppose, but mm -hmm. also you think it's a cool gadget, or you know, there's yeah. some need for it. 
Um, so, so what's just your personal experience with the watch and how do you kind of use it from day to day beyond, you know, developing apps for it? So day to day, I think I use my Apple watch less and less. I think <laughs> you'll see that with a lot of, a lot of people they buy. I think this is a flashy cool toy. And for the yeah. first year I was, you know, the activity ring fanatic every day they had to be full. And now I kind of don't care. Um, <laughs> the Apple watch is still, you know, special to me just because of, you know, everything I'm I'm doing with it, but mm-hmm. putting that aside, <laughs> putting that completely aside, yeah, the Apple Watch to me, it's just nice to not be so tied to your phone. Mm-hmm. I can leave my phone in my room when I leave. I can still get notifications, and I can make the call of, do I want to pick up my phone or not now? Sure, Whereas yeah. Before it's, your phone's in your pocket, you get a notification, you're picking it up anyway. So whether mm-hmm. it's an important message from from your mum or just, you know, hey, follow this person on Twitter. You get to make that call before you ever pick up your phone. Should I be picking up my phone in this in this scenario? Right. And that's something I think I really like, especially when I'm in class and I'm sitting there working or talking to people more realistically and I get a notification, I can think, no, well, I can ignore that for now. I can come back to it. And that to me, is what the Apple Watch is really important for. Aside mm-hmm. from all the fitness tracking and that, which I really should be, you know, using more, but I'll get to that, I guess. I keep se- I keep setting a, a date in the future where <laughs> where I'm going to use the workout app again. It's like, oh, well, when I get my license, I'll be able to drive myself around to the gym and sure. all that. And then yeah. when I finish school and when I'm this, when I'm that, <laughs> that's that's every everyone of all ages like you know i i yeah. will diet on a monday but it cannot begin on a thursday and if i mess it up on tuesday then i have to wait till the very next week to begin oh, for sure. or the next month or the next year even it's I'm everyone homework too you know you want to oh, yeah. you know, i'm gonna start homework <laughs> at six and you look at the clock and it's 601 you think what kind of maniac starts their homework at 601 i'm gonna wait till <laughs> 15 totally yeah and you keep going yes I, in high school, I was terrible at deadlines, and I was really good in English and writing papers. And I remember one situation where I was like days behind the date to turn in this big paper, um, and and I was having to stay after school to finish it. And um, like every day late was like you know major points deducted, but I managed to to ace the report enough that I had like enough extra credit from what was presented that it was like a hundred and three. When it should have been like a, a seventy-five tops or something, wow. um, and and I always just hate deadlines, and I do. I feel like I do my best work at the last minute because I'm have to do this, and there's no distractions possible. So yeah. you know, naturally, I get into publishing and needing to write things on a deadline. And it's it's still haunting <laughs> me today. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah but so I, I I totally get that. Well, I, one, one thing I'll see with regard to, uh, regarding fitness is that you know my year for the with the first Apple Watch, it was just like you know, filling it out, what is this for, largely about notifications and, and you know, less time spent on the phone. And it was like the very end of, of the first, you know, 18 months when the first watch was on the market that I kind of got into, you know, what are these rings about? What is the workout app about? And, you know, it was for me, it was more of an opportunity to write more about the watch and just have new stories to write for 9 to 5 Mac. Um, so like I bought an elliptical and, and started doing that. And I was in my like mid-20s. Um, and and I had definitely gained weight without noticing it, and so it was useful. And 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 once I I felt like I needed to, um, and just and, and seeing friends you know grow up with me, 
I think that that like mid twenties is when you can you you kind of go from you you don't have to do literally anything to you you need to pay attention to like you know health and things it doesn't just happen for you so I think yeah, you've got plenty right. of runway. I can yeah. just eat and sit around and I'll be yeah. fine because I'm a teenager. Exactly. Yeah. I I, I keep, <laughs> for me what I'm waiting for now is when I'm like um I don't know what age it will be but like you know surely when I'm seventy I won't care <laughs> about how I look and I can eat whatever yeah. I want anytime. <laughs> then you'll reach a point where you just like yeah. ah whatever I'm seventy yeah. and we're trying to impress I'll eat yeah. whatever I want. But then but then when you're seventy you go to the doctor and they're like well you need to eat better if you're gonna die sooner <laughs> and so then it's. <laughs> The deadline is death, so... Yeah, um, I guess you always have to worry about it then, hey. Indeed, yeah. 20. yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Will, for being here and joining me. Uh, it's terrific to talk to you on, on this uh, unwatched time. And at 9to5Mac, we're always happy to cover your apps. I love writing with the watch, and I, and I love to make sure that we can, uh, you know, throw you coverage. I hope that you uh, land, land in an opportunity where you can help multiple companies bring apps to the watch. And, okay. and uh, yeah, I, I'm, we're rooting for you. So. Yeah, well, um, thank you very much for having me on. And um, if you go to, I think it's Chirps, special thanks. There's a little 9 to 5 Mac mention at the bottom. So Oh, that's so cool. I'm definitely t- t- very thankful for the coverage there. Yeah, we, we love to. It feels good. And um, when uh, people are listening, what should they go check out from you? So you, you've, you've got Chirp, Nano, Mini Wiki. Chirp Nano and MiniWiki. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Will R Bishop, or you can go to willbish.com, and I've got a lot of stuff about me there. So terrific! Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, maybe we will uh, check back in in a year and see where all this development stuff went. Uh, but for now, take care. Thank you. <laughs>